on the Pilot TV podcast this week, we have a double bill of BBC Comedy Gold as Phoebe Waller-Bridge makes her triumphant return with Fleabag Series 2 and Alan Partridge makes a cringe-inducingly awkward return to form in This Time with Alan Partridge. On a slightly more serious note, we also review Sky Atlantic's The Miracle, which isn't amusing at all, features a bleeding statue and is entirely in Italian. I'm James Dyer and welcome to the podcast described on iTunes this week by a listener who declined to give his or her name and opted instead for a string of random letters as a podcast which for the large part works but please James Dyer enough with the hilarious that's in quotes wordy introductions and stop banging on about the shield and Star Trek. Well, all I can do is profusely apologise and promise that there will be absolutely none of that from this point on. I am joined today by two colleagues, nay, compatriots, who have braved the nine rings of hell to stand beside me in this podcasting endeavour. Heedless of insult or impediment as they charge once more unto the breach at my side. There... Bravery, integrity and stalwart refusal to fully embrace Gene Roddenberry's canon, the only chink in their otherwise immaculate armour of judgement. First, a man whom many might compare to Charlemagne, standing proud and uniting us all under the banner of his unparalleled good taste, honoured by listeners, revered by his colleagues and exalted by celebrities, from the loftiest A-lister to the lowliest extra on the bill. It is the man, the myth, the legend, Boydminster Tiberius Hilton the Third. Good morrow, Your Excellency. Can I be the first to say what is going on? <laughs> can, I just, can I just also point out, as you did that entire thing, Boyd was just on the phone. No, I was checking a fact. I was about to, but I was absolutely, I mean, that is incredible. Yeah. Thanks. Someone slagged uh, me, I think, most of the office using the word dude too much. Did you see that tweet it, this I, week? I've never heard you use the word dude. I really? do use it a lot. Dude. I do use it a lot. I do you? Say. Yeah. I felt like instead of saying bloke or man, I, I did use, so it's me. It's my fault. I apologise for using the dude, word dude. Oh, okay. See, I don't, I mean, maybe you do. I, I hadn't flagged that, yeah. but clearly it's annoying the hell out of at least one person. Yeah. Double so. down, Boyd. What is wrong with you? Yeah. Oh, uh, I'll double down. If I've ta- I'm doubling down, dude. If I've taught you nothing, doubling down is definitely <laughs> the way true. to go. Uh, joining Boydminster and myself is a woman whose service as torchbearer to House Tukovma brings honour to the Klingon Empire. Having distinguished herself against the hated United Federation of Planets at the Battle of the Binary Stars, she now serves as Chadich <laughs> for the Pilot TV podcast. Her name in the tongue of the Empire is Gaiv Nottl Bech Doth Ichlech, or She Who Watches Misery. It is Terry, daughter of the House White. Kaplach, Terry. <laughs> Just staring at me blankly. Have I broken you? What is happening? That was, that was legitimate, actual Klingon. I didn't just make that shit up. Oh, God. Um, James, are you single? <laughs> are you alone in the world? I don't world? understand what, what, what you're saying. Christ almighty. Yeah. Okay, so that's good, good, good. And if I and <laughs> because I've not doubled down on that listener's criticism quite enough. <laughs> oh God! Uh, let's kick off with what we've been watching, starting with me. Uh, <laughs> for I have, of course, finally finished my rewatch of the Shield. It's done. Oh. It's finished. It's over. And without dropping any spoilers for those who, inspired by my example, and there are a few of these, have picked up the show for the first time, I would like to say that it is magnificent. Uh, Best ending ever made, I'm saying. Top five best shows ever, I'm also saying. Just incredible. A few people did tweet me anxiously, unable to find it on streaming services. And, mm. But it is available on Hulu in the US. But you can pick up a, a, like a, a, physical, a physical media thing. I know this is very 1995. It's all a bit weird. But the Blu-ray box set just came out before Christmas in the US. So you can pick that up. That's the preferred option. In the UK, though, my advice is to hoof it your local computer exchange or take a look at the Amazon marketplace where you can pick up all seven seasons of this magnificent show for a mere 15 pounds that's 88 88 episodes of one of the best things ever to appear on television and you can't say fairer than that hasn't haven't you Terry um vowed to rewatch all of this as well yes so um <laughs> <laughs> i decided i could either be so irritated by james 
that I wanted to rip off my own face, throw it at him and push him off a cliff. Or I could lean into this mm. and that's what I've decided to do. Mm. So our boss, who does listen to this podcast, hello, Paddy Horton, um, came onto Twitter and basically said that he was going to rewatch it. So I attempted to pull together a team rewatch which only needed Boyd to say yes to it to make it work. And what did you say, Boyd? I said maybe. I haven't said no. I'm just, you know, I'm weighing up the, the daunting prospect of 88 effing hours I, of it. I, and I've got to watch everything. I've got to watch everything that's on. That's my job. I, Boyd? I'm just no, saying. You don't. No, well, maybe not quite as much rubbish yeah. as you do. But nevertheless, I will say I love the fact that not only have I worn down a number of our listeners and indeed our employer, I've worn you down, Terry, as well. And I now mean... everyone is converting to the shield. Now I feel I probably will have to take part, though. Otherwise, I feel like Paddy could sack me or something. So. Also, I feel like since we've got a trend, I've talked about the shield on every podcast for as long as I can remember. Now you can, I pass the torch to you. And now every week you can tell us about your exploits on the shield. I can also be tedious on a weekly basis. Yeah, to, to especially, you know, for the benefit of this, uh, this this former listener who absolutely isn't listening anymore, <laughs> who I've upset with my introduction. Good. So, yeah. it's good. Done good. deal. Very exciting. Uh, what have you guys been watching? I have been watching <laughs> Trapped, which is the current BBC4 Saturday night um, Scandinavian uh, crime drama. It's Icelandic. It's the second season. Fans will know. It's been quite a long wait. The first season was 2016, and it starred Olafur Dari Olafsson as Andri Olafsson, the chief of police, in a small unnamed town in Iceland. And he is brilliant. Honestly, he is a, a cult figure, a huge cult figure. Ben Stiller loves this show. He goes on about it. Um, and the second series, it's, equal, it's, re- it's beautifully made. It's the most expensive Icelandic drama ever. And I don't want you to say that, that doesn't necessarily mean much. Are you snickering already? <laughs> Icelandic TV, racist. Um, it's really good, honestly. It's I would have forced us to watch it, but you know, too many uh, foreign language dramas might have driven you over the edge. You yeah. particularly, James. But honestly, it's great, and people, it's it's one of the best of the Saturday night things since the likes of Borg and the Killing. I'm saying, mm, exciting. And it's kind of in the middle of it now, and there's there'll be there's another like. And it was called so. Trapped. Trapped. <laughs> Trapped. Don't know why that made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been watching, Terry? <laughs> Well, so, um, well, this week I've actually been off work mainly. Um, uh, I went and wrote in a hotel for three days, but that did not stop me from watching something. Um, and James, just try and like withhold oh, your words. I watched The Abused oh, on yeah, Channel yeah, 5. Yeah, yeah. So, um, this is a documentary, Channel 5, bear with me, but. I don't know if you remember, Boyd, you and I have definitely spoken about this. Channel 5 did an amazing rape documentary last year, which was one of the most sensitively handled rape documentaries I can remember, actually. And they followed it up with one on domestic violence. It's something that's really close to my heart. I grew up in a violent household, spent time in a women's refuge. And this, in a similar vein to the rape documentary, is an incredible piece of documentary filmmaking, I have to say. So it follows two women in the aftermath of their attack um, and follows them right up until the court case and incredibly sensitively handled, really responsible programming. So immediately after this documentary, there was a show called How to Leave Safely. Now, anybody who knows anything about domestic violence knows that the time when a woman is at most at risk of death is when she's trying to leave. I've never seen a documentary like it on television. It was insane. It was full of support professionals, and police basically telling you how to do it in the safest way possible. It was remarkable. I wouldn't want to let you down, James, by watching something, you know, happy and cheery. But if you didn't get a chance to see it uh, live on telly the other night, then it is on my five. What I love about you the most, Terry, is you can always be counted on to massively change the tone of the podcast <laughs> and hugely harsh our vibe and to make us all thoroughly depressed. So it's, thanks. It's not depressing. It's... Yeah. it's Excellent programming about an important societal issue. Which is what this podcast is all about. Yes. It okay. is when it's on the telly. All right, fair enough. Uh, what we've Just because you can't do a Klingon bloody impression with uh, it, that's what your problem no, is. No, please don't do a Klingon yeah, don't, impression don't, with don't. it. No, it's not a cue. That's, that's not a cue. Sounds like a challenge. <laughs> no. All right, fine. What we've been watching segues quite neatly, actually, into the other thing I've been watching this week, which is comedy. 
Yes, this yeah. is our, this is our new segment, which I have temporarily titled Comedy Gold. Uh, and if it's just we're calling it, yeah, no, 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 make on, James laugh, isn't it? We we gave it a name. <laughs> you seem to have given it a shitter name. Hang on. That is like some bad eighties magazine franchise. Comedy Gold, right. Comedy Gold okay, with fine. James Dyer. <laughs> yes, it's a bit Alan Partridge, isn't it's it? So yeah, Alan right. Partridge. Okay, what what did you call it? We called it Make James, make James laugh. laugh. I, it feels a bit too self-indulgent. No. Well, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, says a man, yeah, yeah. After your 20-minute Klingon introduction. All right, all right, fair enough. Our new segment, as yet untitled, officially kicks off this week, whereupon I agree, basically, to watch an episode of comedic television and attempt, almost certainly in vain, uh, to find it amusing. To make this slightly less about me exclusively, I do think we can use this kind of as an opportunity to talk, to like evaluate classic comedies in general. So you two should be watching this. Stuff Don't as well. try and justify it. It's it's, it's fine. <laughs> the, all the re- all the listeners want is to hear you really and your reaction to classic comedies. I'm just trying. That's to it. We don't have to take part at all. All right, fair <laughs> enough. All right. Well, the first candidate, the first candidate, as laid out by Boyd last week, yes, is a perennial entry on greatest comedies of all time. This it is, of course. Seinfeld. Specifically, season four, episode 11, The Contest, in which Jerry, George, Kramer and Elaine stage a competition to see who can go the longest without masturbating. A term, it is worth noting, that is never mentioned in the episode. They never directly refer to wanking at any point, (laughs) which I thought was a minor stroke of genius. I found this gently amusing. Um, I mean, that's something. As long as you didn't hate it, I'll never speak to you again. I did not laugh. Right. I may have smiled. Right. I was not unamused. Uh, like it's like it's well put together. I thought there were there were some great moments in it. The the sponge bath scene was just glorious. That was that yeah. was very well put together. I really loved the 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 idea of them trying to sleep. That each night it cuts them, and the ones who have shall we say lost the bet are sleeping soundly, and the ones who haven't are tossing and turning and can't do anything. I, I thought that was great, um, and I loved the idea that. <laughs> Rather than ever saying masturbating or wanking, they just refer to being master of your own domain. Are you still master of your own domain? Yes, yes, I am. And didn't you find it funny that the whole thing starts because George goes to 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 his parents' house, has a copy of Glamour magazine, and has a jostle in the bathroom. That's how it all starts. Well, it wasn't in the bathroom, was it? it, Wasn't it in the front room or something? Because his mum just walks in. Uh, I think it's the bathroom. It is the bathroom. She still walks in. Okay. But I mean, yeah, it's it's pretty funny. What I didn't like is like Ros from Frasier turns up. Yes, uh, and that I found that not not good. Like I found that very forced and a little bit unfunny. wasn't wasn't good at that. Well, okay, it's a question for you boys. So Seinfeld yes. is your favourite TV show of all time. Yeah. So presumably you think it's the funniest comedy, or at least up there. Uh, it's up there. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely up there. Yeah, I think it's the smartest, most kind of. I think it's. I love. I just love the vibe. I'm going to use the word vibe. Yeah, of, it, I... of these people hanging out together. It's about a kind of that friendship and how just naturally funny it just establishes a tone mm. um that i love that's it's kind of almost difficult to describe but like, you know hanging out at the diner in new york you know just chewing the fan talking shit yeah, yeah that's yeah. what i love about it. and is this this the best episode uh, no so the reason i picked the contest because it's 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 i think it's a good way in because it's such an incredible concept and yeah. it was massively bold and brave at the time yeah. like that, and that's the reason why they, they weren't allowed to use their masturbation so they had to come up with ways around it and stuff like that god and it's just to have, it was at that point it was the biggest tv show in america not just the biggest comedy it was the number one show on TV in America wow. and it had a masturbation episode and I just thought and I do think it's a brilliant piece of work I mean you know laughing out loud I don't know I don't, I don't particularly laugh out loud at Frasier either but I still absolutely love it it still is one yeah, of my yeah, top yeah. I think that's fair I like I, the, I I think my issue watching it is none of the characters are what I would describe as wildly likeable yeah you've got this thing about likeable characters it's just yeah, you know get over it no but like but not, I don't mean like, I definitely don't think you need to like characters but I think something about sitcoms is that you have to want to spend time with them because that's ultimately what you're doing and I like so this is similar in era kind of overlaps with friends doesn't it whereas friends I genuinely love like that's but I love the characters I love spending time with the characters I found friends and again bear in mind I'm taking this on this particular episode of Seinfeld friends to me seem to have better writing it's much sharper no like it it felt much wittier like this was clever but it was quite broad I thought that is extraordinary thing to say no No. but genuinely like you know there's some extraordinary writing no Seinfeld is much smarter than friends well I Going on Friends one relies on the one liner, and there's one liner is great. But Seinfeld is about it character does. and yeah. about you know, and that's it's just Friends has has exemplary dialogue, I think, in places. Like, it has it's very, very, very like, It has a brilliant gag ray. I'll give you that. It does 
not have exemplary dialogue. Exemplary dialogue. Who ever said that of Fred? Exemplary dialogue. Things no one's ever said. It has singers. Okay, it has singers. And that is the dynamic of that specific set of people and that specific set of characters. Also has incredible physical comedy as well. Let's not knock that down. Yeah, especially Ross. Ross in particular is fantastic in that. But I think I don't know if I've ever heard anyone say that it's smarter than Simon. I'm going by one wanky episode. That's all I'm saying. In this particular one, I did not find this to be, you know, superlatively, you know, well. Did you say wanky written. episode or wanking episode? I said wanky episode, but I mean you literally mean wanking, a, yeah. a masturbatory episode yeah. as yeah. opposed to it's up his own ass. I um, think Seinfeld just, I, I mean, I'm not going about it, but Seinfeld just, I think it's more ambitious and bold and daring. Like there was a whole, there's a whole season of Seinfeld, which is about Jerry being asked to create his own sitcom. So it's like a meta, yeah. a whole meta season. And, that, and they did that. I mean, it was quite wanky mm. in a way but not to be that meta wanking. but mm. they did it so brilliantly and it was so funny and they had to, so they're casting people who are like the people their character uh, the whole thing is incredible it does sound like a laugh riot yeah <laughs> it is a laugh riot James don't be sarcastic <sighs> is this, was this, this show wasn't that widely seen in the UK was it is that fair to it, say it used to be on it had a kind of like late BBC 2 10 o'clock at night thing and it, ha- it did become a cult phenomenon in, the, in that time slot yeah it was you know BBC 2 lot, quite you know enough people watching it so yeah, it was. It, but I wouldn't say it was like you know. It's never going to be a huge popular thing like I don't know Friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah the, the, the better written Friends. Yeah, oh, obviously. I the... think um, this segment needs a conclusion. <laughs> it needs work. Which is make James laugh. Did we make James laugh? No, fail. Seinfeld has failed the segment test. It did not make me laugh. That's a good format point and a terrible piece of judgment <laughs> by you. <laughs> Get used to that. <laughs> Um, if you, the listener, wants to recommend something for this segment, which is no longer called Comedy Gold, but maybe called What's Make James Laugh, then, <laughs> then do fire one Smell over to me. Smell my Comedy Gold! <laughs> you really put a lot of thought into that. Comedy Gold! Oh my God! And also, what was really, he was so proud of it. I've called it Comedy Gold. <laughs> okay, fair enough. All right, fine. Well, if you want to submit one, then do fire one over to me on Twitter, at James C. Dyer, stating the series and crucially the specific episode that you want me to watch that you think will elicit the most mirth feel free to use the hashtag die laughing people <laughs> have already been using the hashtag make james laugh i like la- one of our readers came up with that i thought that was a great hashtag die laughing's quite good yeah. laughing. that's the that, yeah, hashtag not, exists that hashtag exists, can yeah, i no. just point out that, yeah. ju- that james dyer when he's not hosting this podcast <laughs> is the digital editor of empire so you would think understands things like <laughs> hashtag social media however all of the evidence points to the contrary so yeah. you're saying that make james laugh is a better hashtag than dire laughing it matches the name of the segment <laughs> maybe we should change the segment oh, though oh, <laughs> fine yeah. use either one i'll see it either way uh yeah. right now that's out of the way should we find out what's happening in tv news <laughs> exhausted can i kick off Please by do. talking about the new issue of Pilot TV properly. We mm. mentioned it very briefly mm. last week, but I want to give it a proper razzle medazzle little <laughs> magic because it's 1989. Um, so we're recording this on Friday. Um, you'll be listening to it from Monday. The magazine came out yesterday. That is a lot of days and I'm really confused. <laughs> However, Pilot TV, the third issue, which is confusingly named number two, is being bundled with Empire. Game of Thrones is on the cover of Empire. We've gone all out TV bonanza. The first time in 30 years, almost 29 and a half years, that Empire has put a TV show on the cover. And Pilot is packed to the gills with amazing stuff, like a think piece on Killing Eve, which we all know is coming back sometime this spring, (laughs) probably, maybe. We have an incredible feature on just how Tony Soprano changed um, TV and male protagonists forever. We look at David Fincher's new Netflix show. Um, There is an interview with actual Richard Gere. We speak to cast and crew of Shane Meadows' new Channel 4 show, The Virtues. I mean, it is absolutely banging. I think I can say banging. Would we agree? You're totally right. Jed Mercurio. Jed Mercurio. I have to say, Boyd. I I sent Boyd an email saying, I think I said it's fucking brilliant, Boyd. And it really is. Line of duty. I'm waiting to hear back. Jed, Jed if you follow Jed on Twitter, he is notorious for, if he's done an interview with someone, like for for a newspaper, and and, and the journalist is right to say, and it's some kind of inaccuracy (laughs) or something he's not happy with, he will pick you out and name and shame you on Twitter. I don't know if you've seen it yet. Because 
it's not, we don't put anything online. You have to buy the magazine, thankfully. I don't know if he's actually read it, but I'm just waiting for the moment when I, something I got, some tiny minor thing I got wrong and Jed may be furious. What's his Twitter? I'll scan it and send it to him. <laughs> yeah. Jed, if you're listening, yeah. just go to the newsagent yeah. and buy it and then let us know what yeah. Boyd got wrong. Yeah. Please do. Yeah. It's at Jed McCurrier. Jed McCurrier. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, this, I love, I have to say, because I, uh, I, I haven't read all of it. I'd read most of it um, when we were getting, putting it together, but I hadn't read the leftovers piece, which is in the section James is mm. in charge of. And The Leftovers is in my top three shows of all time. And I have to say, it's absolutely brilliant. Who wrote that piece? Ollie Richards. It is a really fitting... Because I was slightly jealous that he was writing in on me because I love that show so much. And it's an absolute fitting tribute to the fucking brilliance of that show. Yeah, he did a very good job. Yeah. A very good job. I think all of the old, all of the, the um, kind of vintage stuff we've done this time is, is fucking is brilliant, isn't it? It's like you've got the Sherlock map of the Sherlock home. We did, indeed. A map of 221B Baker Street, accurate to the square foot. Yeah. And we've got, like, even in the even in the up front section, we've got access to Ricky Gervais, we've got um, Steve Coogan. It is incredible how much yes. stuff is in We're there. just amazing, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You can say that. That's what we're saying. It's on sale now, and I would really love it if you wanted to buy it. Or... Several. Buy several. Mm. Or if you are dead skin, uh, go to your library. Probably shouldn't say that. Cut it out, no. James. Yeah. <laughs> I'm cutting that. <laughs> go to your li- I always feel bad for people who can't afford it. Oh. Rob someone. Just got to save up. Just got to save up. Yeah, save up. Save up. Get pilot. Right. Uh, Okay. Here's some news that will surprise absolutely no one. Netflix have officially hammered the last nail into the Marvel coffin and cancelled both The Punisher and Jessica Jones, bringing a complete end to the MTVU and the Netflix Marvel partnership. Thank God for that. (sighs) So harsh. Not. I mean, not Jessica Jones was fine, but. The Punisher, I mean, that Did was... Did you see Eminem's response to The Punisher news? Oh, yeah, he no. called them out. He tweeted, all caps, Dear Netflix, regarding your cancellation of The Punisher, you are blowing it. Sincerely, Marshall. Yeah. Wow. All caps. Not happy. God, this real slim shady. not happy. Yeah. Okay. But this is so... So, Punisher, obviously, we've had the second season, so that's now done. So the only thing left is the third season of Jessica Jones, which will uh, stream later this year, and that will be the last... But it feels a bit like, is anyone going to watch that now? Like, it's like, oh, it's fin- it's finishing. Mm. You know, it feels mm. a bit like, hmm. Do you think they're clearing the decks for the their own streaming platform? I was reading a piece this week saying it was like a yeah. clear everything, all of those um, Marvel shows out of Netflix and kind of reset the scene. And then by the time the streaming service comes along, some of them may end up actually being brought back in a slightly different go. I think it's the reverse. I think it's Netflix's decision, not Marvel's in this case. I think they do you have. Really? Yes, I think they have elected not to do these because these shows are at the moment not. They had not been as well reviewed. They are very expensive to produce. Are uh, they that? Ex- I mean, relatively speaking, yeah, they cost them quite a lot of money. But they also. But they, I know what Terry means because, but they don't look. I mean, yeah, they don't. They're production kind of weird. Values. Yeah, production values don't feel. Main, partly, I feel because they're they're either like thirteen episodes of mm. them, and often feels like it just feels more telly than actually yeah. most of other Netflix stuff. Which, mm, like, for think, example, compare it even to like Sex Education, which is a beautiful looking polished. thing. It doesn't feel as polished as mm, that. But they do cost a lot of money to make. But the uh, I think also you got to the point where when they first did Daredevil, when they started with this, they kind of needed the prestige. They needed that Marvel thing to elevate them. At this point, Netflix do not need them. Oh no, they don't they need it. They create such extraordinary you know, original programming. They don't need this stuff Is this anymore. theory entirely invented in your own head or have you no, got yeah, evidence yeah. for it? No, I, <laughs> I just wanted to check. I have read around about it. Uh, My understanding is they had licensed this stuff. They could have continue to do them should they have chosen to. I don't believe they needed uh, permission to do it. I could be wrong on that, but I don't think I am from what I've read. I also think uh, at the feeling so Marvel was... were going, oh, we really want to do more shows with you, even though we've got our own streaming service. No, no, in. absolutely. I agree with you. I think Marvel were more than happy mm. that Netflix decided not to do this. Okay. But here's a, here's a question for you. So so Disney are launching their own streaming service, but Disney own Hulu, so they have that streaming service. So what happens to Hulu when Disney launches their own thing? Will they be aimed at different demographics? Yes. And how cause... will that work? Yeah, because I think the Disney series will be genre led, yeah. won't it? It'll be it'll be comic book adaptations and um, superheroes and and won't presumably be acquisitions. So Hulu, yeah, to Hulu, some of Hulu's stuff right. is mm. original programming, mm. some of it's some acquisitions. acquisitions yeah. yeah, Hulu's a general kind of Netflixy mm. type thing, isn't it? Whereas happily, um, we don't have to deal with it over here. But yes, well, we get their best shows, thankfully. Yeah, well. but we get them. Yeah. We don't have we to get another streaming service. Right. Yes, indeed, which I'm eternally grateful for. Have uh, you got the other big Netflix news? The really it. important Netflix news. Can it be more important than yes, the cancellation of The Punisher? it's so much more important <laughs> that there will be a second season, effectively, of The Haunting of Hill House yes. by the same creative team. At one of our, I think all of our, one of our favourite shows mm. of last year. Wasn't it, in fact, number one in it our was. list in right. the end? So The Haunting of Bly Manor will be the second season, which will be based on Henry James's The Turn of the Screw. 
and it will have um, the great Mike Flanagan in charge of it. They haven't confirmed whether he's directing it all or not, and I want, and I hope, I mean, I hope he does. But he'll definitely be involved in the creation of it with exec producer Trevor Macy, who they worked on the first series. So I just think it's so exciting that, and that totally makes sense. So rather than yeah. take the same story and try and expand it in a ludicrously uh, unconvincing way. Uh, contrived way they're doing a completely new story so I think that totally makes sense that's very good news I'm very excited about that uh, they they did cancel Friends from College did you ever watch that yes yeah. and it wasn't very good no it wasn't uh, <laughs> so again that they, makes sense they've killed that Sci-Fi killed Night Flyers Terry you'll be devastated yes. to hear oh my god what I, will I do I yeah. think they were listening to this podcast maybe I think we slagged yeah. it off and they were like why why persevere if Pilot TV doesn't like it there's no point mm-hmm. well Night Flyers will not be returning for season 2 and Amazon's The Man in the High Castle has one season left so season 4 which is coming it's been cancelled but they will do the next one so 4 will be the last level of the High Castle <laughs> I don't know some kind of metaphor that works that isn't that the drawbridge is closing yeah there'll be that? a fourth Reich but not a fifth or yeah, something I, yeah yeah can we talk about the Killing Eve mm. um, pictures this week? So I don't really like to talk about other magazines doing good <laughs> stuff because it makes me angry, resentful, uh, wondering what you lot were all doing. But um, <laughs> Killing Eve star Sandra Oh and Jodie Comer did, and I have to say, hats off an incredible shoot for um, Entertainment Weekly in the US. There is this one shot... Um, a wide shot where they're both in these incredible white dresses fencing and it is just yeah. incredible. The story works particularly well as an audio product, I like to think. <laughs> sure. I mean, here's the thing. We still don't really know any, I mean, jack no. shit about the next season, but they are like, oh, it's just a beautiful thing. You've seen it, haven't you, boy? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Because you go on fantastic. the internet unlike the I digital editor of Empire. <laughs> yeah. 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 My immediate thought was, oh, terribly furious. That's that's yeah. my immediate thought. Yeah. And there's any any Killing Eve based news that. Yeah. But you know, we've got our own brilliant Killing Eve based feature. We do, we do indeed. Yeah. Here's an exciting bit of news: Rain Wilson has joined the Amazon remake of Utopia. No. <laughs> I can tell from that O that you neither know what a Utopia is nor care at all that it's I, being remade. No, no, no. I, that's fine. I didn't say. I am excited about the, the Utopia remake, which, by the way, you know, so this is. Which was originally going to be David Fincher was involved, it was. wasn't he? When it was going it to be was. on HBO. And it's been going on for, for years. Mm. Like, I would say at least four or five years, this project. And the original I loved, the original Channel 4 Utopia was. Dennis Kelly show. Dennis yeah. Kelly was brilliant. Yeah. Visually incredible and a real, like weird, bizarre, original story. Musically brilliant as Musically well. Crystal Utopia De Beer did the, uh, did the, the yeah. music for it. It's, yeah. it's amazing. So I've been excited. And wasn't Gillian Flynn involved? Is she still involved? She was uh, in, in, involved, the, I believe. In, in the, in the yeah. HBO yeah. version. So I'm excited about the whole thing. Yeah. I'm not yeah. that excited about Rain Wilson being in it. <laughs> well, I mean, no offence to Rain. It's not, it's not really a Rain thing. It's more that this is happening. It's yes. exciting. And when I say this, is, I like, I'm not even sure that I want the remake. What I actually want them to do is continue the original because it was yeah. almost perfect. I loved it. Only ran for two seasons. This was an absolute shoe-in for a band slot and frankly may still get one I, this is this is fantastic it's about a group of people who discover a kind of an underground graphic novel and a, and a conspiracy that evolves from it but it's really funny really surreal incredibly I know this sounds ridiculous colourful like really mm. oversaturated yep. colour palette but also really violent and dark as well it was, it was incredibly well made Dennis Kenny's a genius uh, and you know more of that in some form is, is a good thing I'm saying I agree yeah Anything else? Uh, yes. Uh, what else? Oh, Colin Farrell has been cast in a... He is a big star. I mean, Rain Wilson's fine. <laughs> Colin Farrell doing a big TV show <laughs> is news, I think. Right. I'm officially calling this fine. news. Colin Farrell is set to star in BBC Two's four-part thriller The North Water, set in the UK and the Arctic in the late 1850s. It's based on a 2016 novel by Ian Maguire. He plays a harpooner who's a brutish killer whose amorality has been shaped to fit the harshness of this world. There you go. What does that mean? I don't know. No, but he's a harpooner. <laughs> All I know is Farrell, four-part BBC Two thriller. I'm interested. Okay, you'll have a whale of a time. And if you heard, the, I, I was, I was assuming that Terry would get to this bit. Just because, go on. Why are you pointing at me? Joan and Jackie Collins. Oh my god! Right. See. Oh my god! Have we seen this? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> again, James not looking at the internet. What are you talking about? He doesn't about? know. <laughs> Just a minute. Hold, please. Yeah. Because I need to make sure I've got the details right. I totally forgot about this. This mm. came up on my Twitter the other day. And I have to say, I follow the, oh, I follow all the right people. Yeah. Um. So there is going to be a miniseries, six-parter, called Joan and Jackie. And all of the good people are fascinated by the dynamic between the two sisters Obviously, Jackie sadly died, was it two years ago? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, 
So it's a real life story, obviously. It's by um, the production company that did Stan and Ollie. Um, and the script for this is being written by Penelope Skinner, um, who is a playwright and TV writer who did Fresh Meat. So, I mean, I can't even imagine what this is going to be like. Who is going to play them? I know, yeah. I mean, where do you start? Where do you start? Yeah, yeah. It's a brilliant James idea. James looks so like he doesn't care. I know, I know, but it's a brilliant idea. It's, it's like our equivalent of, of one of those Ryan Murphy shows, like Feud oh. or whatever, you know. And it's it's uh, it's incredibly good idea. I mean, their dynamic so over the years yeah. is just incredible, and both so successful and famous in yeah. their own right, but in actually quite different worlds when it comes down to it, and quite different women, and both had such struggles and such yeah. ups and such downs, yeah. and it's just going to be amazing. Yeah. It's no The Expanse, is it? I mean, what is? Yeah. Speaking of things. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> what a great segue. The, the segues get more this is, tenuous. I think you should submit submit that to the awards people, by the way, yes. in the podcast speaking awards. Of things. Speaking of things, yeah. All right, well, speaking of things, here's a thing. Um, did you, were, were either of you big fans of Anne Rice's The Vampire Chronicles? Of course no. you were. Of course you were. And uh, Christopher Rice took to Facebook to announce that uh, the executive producer, the EP of Nashville, Dee Johnson, has signed on a showrunner for Hulu's upcoming series, which is adapting The Vampire Chronicles for TV. This is exciting because I'm not only do I love the books or I did I read them a very long time ago and I liked them when they were good not when they got boring but uh, also I'm a massive fan of Interview with the Vampire which is one of my favourite films not so much Queen of the Damned because that's rubbish but so I'm interested to see what they do with this this could be good I like the Interview with the Vampire the film yeah Um, I'm quite interested yeah yeah Boyd doesn't care. Oh, you are quite right. interested. Okay. Why well, says that Terry is, is not interested at all? <laughs> on the, what, so. I, what I love is when I check out, Boyd tries to fill the gap. Yeah. But I don't yeah. think I've ever seen you be unable mm. to do it before. I was slightly unable. Yeah. yeah all right. Well, yeah. are you excited that Mike Coulter has found a new job since Luke Cage got cancelled? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It depends. So if it's based on a YA ten-part novel series, <laughs> no, I mean set in Terry should dystopian. Like He's joined a CBS. Procedural. Oh, okay. Uh, he's starring as the male lead uh, opposite Katya Herbers in Evil, which is the one where he plays a, a priest in training, uh, and he partners up with a sceptical clinical psychologist, and they solve supernatural crimes. It's like a shit X Files. It's. Do you know what it's like? It's like my t- my yeah. Banshee segment yeah. for today. Oh, Father Dowling. I don't know what that is. <laughs> oh, an amazing. I mean, spoiler alert. But spoiler alert. That is a good Father Banshee. Dowling, that's a good Banshee. The priest and the nun. Yeah. That's solve crimes it's a procedural yeah, show that's good there's no supernatural element to father Dowling, though. no no no, yeah, no, but still. no just to be fair yeah yeah it's a bit like the ghost whisperer wasn't the ghost whisperer another one of your banshees it was ghost yeah it's yeah. incredible yeah. yeah and finally in news <laughs> oh because you're you're, you're you're cutting me off i mean we've got to cut you off because news i feel like news can go on forever sometimes James. you know i'm just All saying right. you know i don't want to produce your podcast for you but um they cut have you seen the casting for inside number nine so they're filming already a new series of inside number nine and as ever they've got brilliant guest stars look james is James is furious. He's, he's, he's moping. <laughs> Jenna Coleman's going to be in it. Excellent. Former Doctor <laughs> Companion. Star of The Cry. The brilliant The Cry. She was brilliant in that. David Morrissey. Maxine Peake. Doesn't oh, get much better than The Peak. She's my favourite. Yeah, she's phenomenal. Ralph Little of oh. Royal Family Fame. Ralph's lovely. Sorry. That noise just came out of my <laughs> mouth and into the microphone. Unbelievable. I apologise. Unbelievable. They're all joining Risha Smith and Steve Pemberton's One of the Best Shows on TV in Sun Number 9, Series 5. Never seen it. Oh, come <gasps> on. James Dyer. Never seen it. What is happening? I didn't realise. That's so you, though. I didn't realise. No. It is so you. Is oh, you got to watch the live one. So you got yeah. going to iPlayer now. Not now, but afterwards. Hang on. When we started this very <laughs> podcast, we spent a long time talking about the live episode. And yeah. now I remember me and Boyd did most of the talking. Yeah. Did you sit there not speaking because you hadn't seen it? I might have confessed to having not seen it, or I might have just not spoken. It was one of the two. <laughs> Definitely didn't watch it. Have never watched it do not frankly know what it's about uh i i was under the impression it was one of those slightly weird anthology type things where they're standalone little unconnected is one of those isn't it like a black mirror typey thing yes, something involving, the, yeah, number yeah. involving yeah. the number nine well i mean, I mean that's just the that's just the device yeah, yeah. At the beginning don't, but you don't... know how i feel about you know promiscuous one night stand <laughs> tv shows i like oh, a committed story God. relationship i oh, cannot be dealing God. with this dip in dip out stuff all right 
Anyway, that is good news for everyone else, well, apart from you. Yeah, all right. So apparently that was the end of news, and we yes. will not be talking about the fact that Amazon's <laughs> Wheel of Time adaptation has oh, got a God. Uh, You know, Moiraine and the gang have found a director. That's very exciting for us. So we, won't, we won't be mentioning that. We also won't mention that the Loki TV series has a showrunner in Michael Walden from Rick and Morty. So Terry, Terry's currently got a head in her hands uh, on the desk, everyone. <laughs> that last week <laughs> she did this is like the only saving grace right is that June is a film and you're not allowed to mention June casting news yeah. on this podcast because it's not on TV although Boyd although oh. you're fine I could get around this I feel you've challenged no you me. can't what I should do this if so I should banshee the sci-fi Dune miniseries oh. and indeed the sequel Children of Dune and talk about that in excruciating detail but I won't do no no um, okay. Did you know that? <laughs> no, this is a genuine. Still news. Oh. This is a genuine question related to news. So uh, they announced uh, Netflix announced that Arrested Development season five part oh, yeah. two is coming in yeah. March. Yeah. Now, am I the only one who didn't realise there was a part two to season five? Uh, I did. I, I had forgotten, but once they once they announced it belatedly, yeah, I, I remember. Oh yeah, they did stop halfway through. It seems a lot season. like nobody cares. That I do a part feel two. there's a slight tailing off of interest mm. for me. I mean, there is personally for me because I found the last season very irritating. The first half of the last season. So yeah, I think there is a tailing off of interest. But you know, I'll give it a go. I'm, I'm game. So we won't be adding that to the comedy gold section. Um, I mean, okay. we can do. All right. Fine. Reviews. Should we talk about reviews? Yes. I mean, it's quite a week for reviews. We've had some some exciting stuff. So let's kick off with, frankly, the best of the lot. The second series of Phoebe Waller-Bridge's superlatively good sitcom is now upon us. It is, naturally. It doesn't end until 4th of March. But we were so excited to talk about this. And because there's so much shit coming out next week, we've moved it forward. And so we're talking about it now. As ever, the series focuses on the life of Waller-Bridge's fleabag, the unnamed protagonist whose car crash personal life makes for much comedy fodder. Uh, This series introduces Andrew Scott as a hot priest. And I have to say, genuinely, the first episode of this might be one of the most incredibly crafted half-hours of comedy television I have ever seen awe-inspiring. It all takes place over one supremely awkward dinner party and is written so sharply you could impale yourself just watching it. How good is this show? You are bang on the money. I, I'm ashamed to say that I came to Fleabag really late. It had, um, uh, I think I might have not been living in this country. I missed it for some reason and then I was like, I'm not going to watch it because that's the kind of uh, ridiculous, obtuse thing I would choose to do. <laughs> I caught up with it because I knew we'd be reviewing it and it is exactly what everybody said it would be, which is immediately my favourite thing ever. The writing, as you rightly say, James, is incredible, but the direction in this episode, as you say, it all takes place over this dinner party. It's like a play, but not... Yeah. And I don't mean stagey. I just mean the kind of integrity and robustness of the writing is phenomenal. And the structure, the way the they structure. break the narrative mm. kind of run of this episode is insane. I mean, Olivia Coleman, I have to say, has a couple. There's a one liner where somebody says, Are you wearing foam? She goes, Oh, it's fine. It had a stroke. And I literally <laughs> fell off my chair laughing. I absolutely love this. And I think, you know, what is it, three years since the. Since the nearly, finale? yeah. Nearly three years, yeah. And I think there's so much expectation, especially around Phoebe Waller Bridge, post Killing Eve, you know, can she top? I just think it's an extraordinary bit of telly it's an absolutely incredible but more important than anything else it passed the test it made james laugh uh, uh, so uh, much so i was oh watching this on the God. train and i was giggling so outrageously that the woman next to me kept shooting really irritated glances at me to work out what on earth i was doing probably because me seeing me laughing is weird and unnatural but it's so funny it is so funny it, it, i think it's a masterpiece i absolutely love the show um when the when the first series arrived i'm, I'm you know, I got, I got to interview uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge about it, and at that time it was like part of a bit of a, bit of a wave with girls. She was very mm. much influenced by girls, inspired a bit by exploring sex and sex and, and relationships for young women. Um, from a very, it's a very, I feel there's a very Britishness mm. to it, mm. even though the themes are universal and all of that. And it, she based it on her own play, and it's definitely a character she she she's, she knows incredibly well. And everything about the first series was phenomenal, mm. and I love it. But I feel she's somehow stepped up. Yeah. In this first episode, it's apt, as you say, it's a complete master. I think it's going to, I genuinely think like we watched a classic bit of half yeah. hour of television. Definitely. There. And then I've watched episodes two and three and, ep- and episode two is like a normal, brilliant episode of Fleabag. Fine. Then episode three, three. when, um, uh, what's her name? Kristen Scott, Scott Thomas comes in. Oh my God. She mm. is. Have you watched that one yet? No. 
She is. So we're not. I think we're actually embargoed from talking about it in any detail. We can say she arrives in episode three, this new character. Yeah. She is so brilliant. And their interaction, the Phoebe Waller Bridge, Kristen Scott Thompson interaction, is like the dream mm-hmm. thing you've always wanted to see, but you didn't know it on television. And I think it is, it's incredible. Isn't it? She's written these two, and it shows you, I think it takes time because that, I mean, she wrote most of Killing Eve. There, I think there were one or two episodes she didn't write. And now she's written all of this, six episodes of this, and the perfectionism, the, mm. the, the gag rate, the, yeah. the emotional underpinning of it. There, there are moments in this that kind of pull the rug from under you, can't, don't they, emotionally, mm. um, without wanting to give anything away. And she does that brilliantly, that, that gear change. She just masters yeah, it. It's flawless. It is, it's absolute genius. Andrew yeah. Scott is incredibly funny in this as well. So but funny. She, just her physical comedy, the little eye flicks when she does the to camera addresses are masterful. That's an incredibly hard thing to pull off as an actor, and she does it effortlessly. Yeah. <laughs> but I have to say, you mentioned girls, and I've always loved girls. And I think between Jenny Connor and Lena Dunham, they laid down a new gold standard mm. for female narratives in television. I really did. And I've always massively defended girls, which you always find yourself having to do. But when you actually look at the writing and the direction of there are a, a handful of single episodes of girls which are remarkable. But I have to say, I feel like this is in a completely different league and it is very british and tonally it's very different but it just eclipses i think anything that's gone before and i think you're right it feels like a really significant moment in tv and in this kind of tv and in scripted comedy it feels like a really special moment it felt like a real privilege to watch it yeah I agree. Yeah. What we're saying is, this is a comedy. <laughs> it's the greatest thing ever. And even I have, find it funny, and I'm famously without humour. So yeah. if you're not watching it, there's something fundamentally broken about you. So yes. absolutely watch Fleabag. This airs for the first time, and I've looked this up, boys, you don't even need to tell me, Monday, the 4th of March at, curious time, 10.35 on BBC One. <laughs> Can we talk about this? Yes, it's a thing. Why? Yeah. Why? So why? this is why? a new thing. So the BBC, um, when, when the BBC in their stupidity turned BBC Three. <laughs> Hello BBC. Yeah. They when they stopped it being a channel a few years ago. Do you remember yeah. they did this? So yeah. BBC Three was mm. once a channel that mm. quite a lot of people watched. Now it's I just like a label, it. isn't it? Right. Now it's a thing. It's like yeah. a brand. And so, you know, you can watch BBC stuff on their own website. You can watch it on iPlayer. It's all on iPlayer, but and stuff is made available. It's like their own streaming service aimed at the youth, right? And so for years they've been saying every single thing that's on BBC Three will get a slot on BBC Two or BBC One. So now what they've done is they've institutionalised that. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, every week at 10.35, and they've shortened the news controversially by five minutes, and people are furious about that. How dare the BBC shorten the news, but fuck that. Because <laughs> has anyone watched the last 10 minutes of the news recently? It's always shit. No, anyway. it's like a cat up a tree yeah. with a donkey. Well, it's worse. It's like the arts person oh, yeah. talking Ooh. a really boring analysis of a, of a, of a film yeah. Yeah, that we all know about. Anyway. That we're so, probably on. They're probably <laughs> On. So it makes sense, and this will be on ten thirty-five. And each in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, everything at ten thirty-five. And they've got some really good other stuff as well. I have to say, in that slot. And but the weird thing about it is, why? Why even is Fleabag? It's not a youth program at all. No. I mean, you know, no. it's like it doesn't make any sense. But it is going to be a BBC One. If you're really keen, though, from ten a.m. on that day, on that Monday, which is you know basically as and when our podcast comes out, the next edition, you can download it and watch it on BBC, on the iPlayer. So or you can watch it where wherever you can on the How iPlayer. Many? The, just the first episode, just the first. Yeah, just the first. I think they thought of having it all, or making it all available in one go, and then they thought we can't waste this brilliant thing mm. by making it all available in one go. That is Fleabag coming Monday the 4th of March. However, coming a week before, on Monday the 25th of February at 9.30pm, which is a much more sensible time, is this time with Alan Partridge. Alan Partridge returns to the BBC in a show that sees Alan Partridge return to the BBC. Co-host of a talk show this time, and I watched this on the train... I can only imagine what the other passengers thought. I squirmed, I winced, and at one point I think died and had to be resuscitated by the person next to me. This caused me actual physical pain to watch, and I couldn't watch more than one, and I never will again. What? What? What, what just happened? I yeah. can't do it. I just what do you can't mean? Because you it. found you found it too excruciating because he is yes. so painful as yes. a character. And so, not because so, you didn't like the show. No, I think oh, okay. I think if you like that kind of demented, horrific, cringy <laughs> comedy, you probably love it. But I just can't sit through it. And and the Germans actually have a word for this. There's a word, fremd shaman. <laughs> It's like the people who came up with Schadenfreude also have Fremdschaman. The Germans. The German people. The German people. Fremdschaman is essentially uh, empathetic embarrassment. 
So it's okay. being embarrassed on behalf of others. And it is apparently in Germany, there's an actual condition, I have an actual word. And this is what I have. I was so consumed with like with, with terminal Fremdschaman. I could not enjoy this on any level at any point. So if, can, let me just, have you ever watched Alan Partridge before? Yes, okay. yes. And weirdly, I thought this was an interesting one. So I, even though I don't like or watch Alan Partridge, what I did think was this felt more knowing me, knowing you than yes. I'm Alan Partridge. Yeah. Like it felt like a throwback to that because oh, I've yeah. seen little bits of this here and there. Uh, and I thought that was an interesting kind of gear change. Though I only watched the first one and my understanding is the, the formula evolves well, I watched on. four. I couldn't stop in the end. And we should, probably should say this is, you know, a takeoff of the one show, really. It's a magazine show. Um, he's there initially temporarily paired with a very efficient, very polished, quite generic woman who looks nothing like Christine Bleakley. Um, and he's kind of, it's partridge in the age of HD television, social media, Me Too. It's as you said, incredibly, incredibly awkward. There is an amazing sequence where he tries to show on 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 television, on live television, how you can go to the toilet on a train without using your hands at any point. It is yes. extraordinary. Lynn is incredible. She says one line and she's like, oh, she's like Delilah, the slag from the Bible. Which just, <laughs> That's so was good. just such a great line. I thought this was like brilliant, brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant Partridge. Anyone who's worried that Coogan can't do this anymore, mm. that Partridge is, you know, it's, it's what is that in this age? Is it too easy to go, oh, Partridge in the age of me too? That seems like a really kind of hackneyed thing that you wouldn't actually be able to have any innovation or invention with. But it felt really fresh and really fun, like proper, proper, proper funny. It is incredible, and I agree. I totally agree um, with Terry, and I think it's it is so. It's ostensibly it is in terms of the form of it. It's a throwback to know me, knowing you. But what they've done so cleverly, I think, is they've made it quite flexible. So you're while effectively you are watching the show as it would go out, the one show equivalent um, as it would go out on BBC One prime time, this topical half hour show with brilliant gear changes, by the way, from one you know. He goes wrong tone. Yeah, wrong tone. he tells himself wrong tone. Brilliant. <laughs> And then they have these little moments where they'll cut to a VT and instead of showing you the VT, they'll show you him talking to Lynn and Lynn's trying to G him up because he, he, there's terror in his face. What I love yeah. about the evolution of Alan Partridge is he's been a complete failure in the last years. He's been on North Norfolk Digital for the last two series. And they've referred, and, they've, and he's, obviously, he's get, on the one hand, he's incredibly excited about his back on BBC One, but he's also terrified yeah. of this host, co-hosting this live show because he knows he's not up to it really and he knows he'll fuck it up and go completely off-piste as he does brilliantly. But... The way, the, just the subtlety of that, the way they've got that format nailed down. Just little clever things like, I mean, I was classic me, I'm going to name I was lucky enough to watch it being filmed for one day. It was one of the greatest days of my life. Just little <laughs> moments like the studio set. So there's this, they have the general two sofas where he sits next to Jenny Gresham, the co host. And then there's another segment where they have the big serious discussion area. And it takes him slightly too long to walk oh, to that area. His just, footsteps. Just, yeah, the footsteps. And you can oh. hear the footsteps. And that's all deliberate. So they literally, they're such perfectionists. Again, I think if there's something that, you know, there's something to be written about the perfectionism of the best TV comedy now they hone these scripts that every detail is thought through and try they try five six five five six <laughs> seven different versions of the same line or the same little bit of speech it's so meticulous and it ends up and you, and you have to work that hard to make this level of absolute comedy gold comedy gold like terry once i watched the first time i just had to it's addictive i'm i'm furious there's only six episodes but it's so brilliantly funny it's like maximum partridge that's what yes. i love about it because if you love the character and he's my favorite character in tv history i think then it just gives you the maximum amount of him being as funny as he's ever been and as excruciating as he's ever been Too in much. brilliant half hour segments i just couldn't cope with it i couldn't cope because i've seen like no me knowing you i think is cringy but it's it's mid-level cringy this is so much better than no me knowing you yeah, but, i mean but, i love no me knowing you but this uh, is yeah. on a different that, level that made me laugh a little cringy but, but this was but what about just... the bit, there are bits watch episode two because there's a bit in episode two where he when he goes among the audience <laughs> to have a chat with some people that is there's a slapstick <laughs> moment there that is f absolute genius honestly there are bits of it that aren't as excruciating maybe as that first episode i'm trying to force you to watch carry on watching i, I just it. don't think i can oh. I, I don't friend shaman i'm telling you i okay. can't do it i mean right. that doesn't let up so if that is your you know no. if that sticks yeah, in your throat, that. i can't do it i just can't do it it, okay. it hurts me it hurts okay. me but if it doesn't hurt you and you do want to see it this time with alan partridge does air on bbc one is it one one isn't it one BBC correct one? bbc one yes on monday the 25th of february at nine 
7.30pm. Lastly, this week we have The Miracle, which comes to us from Sky Italia, who brought us the acclaimed Neapolitan gangster series Gamora. Either of you watched that? Yes, I love Gamora. Yeah, so I've, I've never it's seen brilliant. it, but I've heard very good things about it. Oh, uh, yes. Sorry, I wasn't concentrating. Terry, Terry, <laughs> as ever, just wasn't listening because I'm talking. Um, thanks, Terry. The respect you have for me is awesome. <laughs> the Miracle is written by an Italian novelist called Niccolo Amaniti. Uh, it concerns a blood-weeping statue of the Virgin Mary discovered in all places at a mob boss's HQ. What did we make of this? I really liked it. So I picked this show and it, 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 we're in this, as you said, it, when you were explaining why we were reviewing Fleabag this week, when really in the format of the show we should be reviewing it next week, mm. there is a, there's about 10 incredible shows. I don't know how we're going to, we'll have to have a special meeting convened to discuss <laughs> what we'll review next week. But so I was scrabbling around and then I thought I'm going to have a look at this uh, Italian, Sky Italian drama because it's like, I think it's actually one of the most um, acclaimed Italian dramas of recent years and someone recommended it to me and I watched the first and I actually love it. I think it's a really good story. I just think the idea of this weeping, blood weeping statue and what is going on and there's like little hints in the opening episode that there's some kind of supernatural thing happening to various people and there's a great there's a great character who's this disgusting horrible exploitative mm, that's vile guy and the reveal about him mm. at the end is brilliant i love that um i think it's a really it's i think it's kind of you know it's a it's an absolute i was gonna say the word classic i'm getting carried away it's a very <laughs> yeah. very strong very compelling um, narrative for the opening of a drama yeah. and you know I think if this was not in it if this was like a you know American or British show on Netflix everybody would be going oh this is really really good I like I like the tone of it it feel I don't fascinated to see where it goes it feels like you know like the Nolanization of comic book movies this feels like it takes that note but on sort of religious phenomena mm. it takes a very scientific secular kind of yeah. you know approach to what would actually happen like in this real world that we live what would actually that, happen yes, if this happened absolutely, and yeah. how would the government react to it and i absolutely believe that this is exactly what would happen right you've hit the nail on the head and, yeah. it's, and it's brexit there's you know brexit is a theme underlining because <laughs> yes, the italic it attacks it yes is a theme that, and i love that that it's dealing with it feels so contemporary so now i love the opening sequence oh, which yeah. is just extraordinary it's brutal isn't it um really really brutal and also one of the grimmest handjob scenes <laughs> since mm. bad lieutenant let's just say oh, yeah. he, yeah. he out cartel cartel <laughs> harvey Keitel. um and it did make me laugh i was like if i was a virgin mary and i was like gonna be in an effigy and weep blood would you be in something that cheap and like tacky yeah, that's a good point. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Perhaps, that's, perhaps the one, that's one of the great mysteries. Perhaps the Blessed Virgin was making a, uh, a a comment on sort of mass-produced consumerism and third-world exploitation. <laughs> Quite possibly. Yeah. Quite possibly. I really enjoyed it. I think you're right about... It was really funny because at first I was like, oh, Italian subtitles, well, yeah. Italian language, English subtitles. I want to watch a bit more Alan Partridge. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And I think that will be a bit of a blocker for some people, mm. I think. And it's this, is it the second by Sky Italia? Yes. In its yeah. original production. Yeah. I really liked it. It's right up my street. Um, it is. It does feel like something of a commitment in some respects, but it looks amazing. The characters are really fucking dark and fucked mm. up. Yeah. And there's some really kind of like, as you say, pull the rug from under you moments, which mm. you can't believe what you've just watched. I'm gonna watch another episode. Yeah. How many is there? I think it's eight. Total, yeah, and they're all there. It's going to be when you say in a minute when it's on, yeah. James. Bear in mind, it's all there, going to available as a box set on Sky and Now TV. That's all eight episodes then <laughs> of The Miracle will be dropping on 26th of February at 9 p.m. It says here, what 9 p.m.? Maybe they yes. will drop at 9 p.m. It's a very specific time for them all to drop for sure <laughs> on Sky Atlantic as Sky Box sets. They will be available so, uh. That's three great shows this week. We've been yeah. spoiled for choice, yeah. though. I think we can all agree there is a standout. And that our show of the week must be Fleabag. I think that first episode is, is as I said, a total masterpiece. But I also think this series of Alan Partridge is going to go down in history as a, as a all-time great as well. I'm yes, saying that I now. think the gap isn't as great for me and Boyd as it is yeah. for you. Yeah. Yes, there's a very big gap for me. Yeah. But uh, nevertheless, nevertheless, Fleabag, I mean, watch all three. Go nuts. Treat yourselves. <laughs> and that is reviews. Uh, I believe it is time for the Banshee segment, where we take a classic show of your... Terry, what was the one that you were going to do? You Father might as well start Dow- with it. Yeah, Father, gonna... Father who? Father Dowling Mystery. Is it a spin-off of Father Ted? <laughs> Maybe. It's set in Chicago. Right. It is a priest called Father Frank Dowling, and guess what? He is not your typical priest, Ooh. because he investigates crimes, mainly murders, abductions, you know, all the good stuff um and he works alongside a nun called sister stephanie 
um, who you think is really meek and mild, but he's actually like properly fierce. And they basically kind of like infiltrate the streets and get down with the criminals to be able to solve the crimes. It's essentially another procedural <sighs> drama, just this time set in a church. Boyd, was this good? It was a good show. I liked the show, yeah. It was, Not that it, I don't it, trust your judgment in any way, Terry, <laughs> yeah. but I need Boyd to validate no, this. No, it was good, yeah. And it's, it is, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good, well-made, um, entertaining... Father Dowling? Dowling. Dowling. And and, I mean, quite funny at times, right? Yeah, Maybe yeah, a little yeah, bit yeah. Of, yeah. It's not all grim. It's not like oh, Laura no. Nord arresting no, you, yeah. unrelentingly grim. There are moments of lightness, comedy and nuance. Can anyone... Where can, where can people watch this should they feel the need? People can watch this... <laughs> I don't know if you can stream it, actually. I think it's another one of your DVD box sets for a fiver. DVD box sets for a fiver type things. Okay, yeah. And al- almost everything's on iTunes. I was, I was just about to look to check that it was on iTunes, but I haven't had time. What's your, what What comedy nonsense well, have you pulled out this week? I've got comedy nonsense. This is Phoebe Waller-Bridge, right? Mm. Before Fleabag arrived mm. in our world, there was a show called Crashing on Channel 4. And it was rather good. And this was her first kind of project. She wrote it. She stars in it. It's a kind of ensemble piece. It's about a group of 20-somethings who live together as property guardians in a disused hospital in London. It's quite... I would say it's definitely not up to the level of Fleabag yet. So it's definitely like her first venture into writing her own piece. And And it's kind of like... It's a little bit... It's slightly less adventurous and bold. And it hasn't got that incredible voice built totally around the character of Fleabag because this is an ensemble piece but it's she's brilliant in it Jonathan Bailey's in it he's very funny as this kind of sex sex obsessed character um and Mitch Shaw is in it Joe him is kind of he, he's a very sweet he kind of plays very sweet characters generally and he plays a very sweet character interesting character in this but it is you know it is Phoebe Waller-Bridge and it is pretty good and it's definitely very entertaining and funny and I, it's on I all worry, four because pretty good in Boyd World well, I'm just thinking of Fleabag, that's all. You know, it's definitely yeah. not Fleabag. It's definitely like, I think she would, you know, if you asked her, she'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I did, you know, Crashing is a, it was a perfectly good, very, very good mainstream sitcom, really, with kind of daring moments. But then when Fleabag, Fleabag came along, that's a game changer. That's all I'm saying. It's not Fleabag, but it is a really good show. Crashing. All right, do you know what? I'm genuinely going to track that down. Check it. That, that appeals to me. All what four. about Father Dowling? I, I, I'm <laughs> maybe going to miss that. Uh, but yeah, crashing sounds good. Sounds good. I'm not going to put that into the make James laugh slash dire laughing slash comedy gold section, but I will watch it on my own time. My banshee this week is very on brand. It is the newsroom. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this is this is Aaron Sorkin's fourth fourth TV series. This ran for three seasons from 2012 to 2014, and is built on the same kind of foundation of Sorkinian dialogue and quixotic characters. You know, the stuff that made me love The West Wing, essentially. It, uh, it stars Jeff Daniels as a cable news anchor called Will McAvoy, and he's he sort of attempts to put on this news show with integrity, despite the constant assault of sort of corporate and commercial interests. Um, like Studio 60 before it, this never really landed in the same way that The West Wing did. But it did enjoy more creative freedom, because it was actually a cable show. This this went out on HBO. had an incredible cast as well. It had uh, Emily Mortimer was in it, Olivia Munn is amazing in it, Sloane Sabbath, Sam Waterston's in it, Dev Patel's in it, John Gallagher Jr., who appears in an episode of The West Wing. There you go. Hot fat for you there. <laughs> Even Jane Bloody Fonda's in this, for God's sake. Yeah. Um, I loved every single minute of this show, uh, especially the pilot episode. Now, the pilot episode has Jeff Daniels deliver this incredible monologue to an audience of students when he's asked by one of them, why is America the greatest country in the world? Spoiler, he says it's not. But what I suggest people do, genuinely, go onto YouTube and look up Will McAvoy, Newsroom America, on YouTube, and this speech, you will find this speech. If you love this speech... Basically, it tells you everything you need to know about whether or not you're going to like this show. If you love that speech, watch the show. If you think it's awful and preachy, then maybe give it a miss. Aren't they bringing it back? Isn't there rumour they're bringing it back? No, I don't think that was true. Like They talked about it, but I think Sorkin then sort of knocked that on the head. Oh, fine. So I don't think they are planning to, but I think they could, because it would be very, very topical at this point. Yeah. People, Um, I remember when it started, I really liked it as well, mm -hmm. but I remember when it started, the particularly right-wing people were furious at how obviously it was like another liberal fantasy. And it is, it's exactly that. Because he's he's, he's ostensibly a Republican, but he's really sort of like fair-minded and liberal and talks about climate change, and they're like, what is this? Yeah. But it shows how partisan these news things are, and it's kind of the, you kind of want the world sort of like a hole in the ground to open and Fox News to fall into it and ACN to come and emerge. Uh, but this the the show dealt with like war atrocities, Occupy Wall Street, climate change, uh, the sanctity of kind of reporters' sources, 
Pre-Trump, um, though. It, all pre-Trump, yeah, yeah, talking about fake news. The extraordinarily stupid things media companies have done to sort of re- rejuvenate traditional media for, like, digital people, you know? Yeah. Like, when they try and sort of <laughs> go on. Yeah, just imagine large <laughs> publishing companies fucking up when they discover the internet. Yeah, there's a lot of that in there. <laughs> Amazing. It, Jane, this yeah. is now called yeah. the podcast in yeah. which James Dyer resigned. Yeah. <laughs> James is doing his own version of that speech yeah. in the beginning. I am. Oh, we've <laughs> had enough. <laughs> Make James laugh becomes James quick. Yes. <laughs> there's a really good uh, There's a really good monologue in the first episode of uh, Studio 60 as well. He, he loves a, a good monologue. Yeah. Old Aaron, funnily enough, top, top when it comes monologues. to getting white middle-aged blokes <laughs> ranting, yep. Aaron Sorkin yep. is the king. He is the king of that. <laughs> oh, I thought you were talking about James. <laughs> Both. Both. There's a reason why James loves Aaron Sorkin so much. Yeah. Oh, all right, fine. Well, these three seasons, preachy as they are, are available in one set... All three seasons for £12 secondhand. Wow. Again, massively worth the money. Where's I've, that, James? It, like secondhand places like Amazon. It means on actual probably. DVD. You can walk into Computer Exchange and pick it up for 12 quid. Um, does Computer Exchange even exist? It does. Like, I'm not like on commission for them or anything. It's just that I can't think of many other high street examples of places that sell like used DVDs. And I know they do them. You can, like Amazon Marketplace does them. Like You can get them on there. But that's you can't walk in Terry's there. Terry's pretending to be You've got to go on the internet. I know. You've <laughs> seen my face. See, you should be, you should be paying attention to this because you'll want to watch some of this shit and you won't want to buy a new one. You'd go in and buy some, you know, used copy. <laughs> Yeah, well, there'll be loads of people like you in there. <laughs> in Computer Exchange. It is staffed exclusively by people like me, yes. Eight deep at the, at the cash desk. <laughs> yeah, buying expanse box sets. Yes, that's absolutely what it's like in there. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. Oh. Here's, a, here's a hot fact for you. Absolutely true. Oh, God, no. <laughs> I worked in a shop when I was a teenager. And uh, when there was no one in the shop, I used to put on episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation and Babylon 5. <laughs> And I used to just play them in the uh, play them in the uh, in the shop, and just oh sit and watch God. them. Kevin, so this should make a film about your life. Or something. Yeah, yeah, it'd be good. Yeah. yeah, I'm like Bill Bailey's character in Space. That's, yeah. that's really what it was. You know, you can stop this podcast at any time. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, apparently that's it for another Pilot TV podcast. Uh, until next time, please do hit us up on social media at Pilot TV Mag, or even better, pick up the April issue of Empire Magazine. As we have said, it is now on sale, and not only has Game of Thrones, our first ever TV show on the cover of Empire, but does come with the third issue of Pilot TV, issue two. Don't ask. If you would like us to read, absorb, and then obviously completely disregard your criticisms of the show, then do head over to iTunes and leave your grievances accompanied by a five-star rating. You have to do that or they don't count. iTunes rules. That would be lovely. And do send over your suggestions for Make James Laugh using, really, at this point, whatever hashtag you (laughs) desire. Um, We will be back next week with more televisual goodness, including, among the 15 other shows we apparently have to review, the unassailably brilliant Derry Girls, which is after Fleabag, the second best comedy on television. Uh, In the meantime, Terry, Boyd and I have a little contest to organise in order to discover which one of us truly is the master of our own domain. Pilot out. (laughs) 